0: Welcome to Fertile Thoughts, a podcast made for TTC Warriors. This is our second episode, and I have the pleasure to have Roberta Scott join me. So Roberta and I go back. She is a single mother by choice who has started her support group for thinkers and triers who are on the journey to becoming single moms by choice. She's joining me today to share her own story and to provide hope and encouragement as well as offer support for the often challenging journey to become a single mother by choice. So, welcome, Roberta.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Tell us about your story.
1: Yes, well, wow. Um, It was 14 years ago now that I uh, came to see you. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 43 years old. I waited a long time to do this. Um, But at 43, I came to see you about having a baby on my own. Um, I had put it off for so long because I really wanted to meet someone like most women do. Uh, Hope I would meet someone, hope I would get married or have a partner to have a child with. But I got to the age where it was time to either do that or uh, probably miss the window. So um, I went to see you at 43. Um, You were very honest with me that my odds were low, but you were willing to take me on and give it a shot, which I was so grateful for. So um, I spent a year uh, trying to have Uh, A child. Um, I went through six unsuccessful IUIs. Um, Then you said, let's try IVF. Let's give it a go. And I was willing to trust you and say, let's do it. Um, Even though I didn't have the money to do it, I I wanted to try everything to have my child. So we did the first IVF. It was four eggs on retrieval and on transfer day, there was only one um, embryo left. Mm-hmm. Which I heard that news, I was very. I have to say, I was very disappointed and, you know, daunted by the fact that it. I was worried it wouldn't work and what would I do next? But that one embryo was my now thirteen-year-old son Jesse. So that first IVF with you, with just one embryo, worked, and now I have a thirteen-year-old son named Jesse, and it's just amazing. How fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. a little, mm-hmm. the little
0: embryo that could. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, it's amazing further that you say all of this. And I remembered you mm-hmm. because it is so exceptional. <laughs> you came at age 43.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, think about the program in the province of Ontario. It cuts off on your 43rd birthday by virtue of the statistically low likelihood of pregnancy per cycle. Yes. No matter what we do. Yes. And uh, you stuck with it. You came yes. back. And when you came to give it the try um, with the one embryo, you were so optimistic and positive in spite of being, I know you were disappointed. I know Mm -hmm. I will validate that Mm -hmm. it was hard Mm -hmm. to only have one, but recognize that that was actually exceptional because sometimes patients come at age 43 and we don't have option by virtue of the extraordinarily low ovarian reserve. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is, amazing that you are able to share that story and it gives perspective to other patients who recognize that you can't necessarily lose all hope. You rely on your fertility specialist and the center's expertise, Mm -hmm. but you really do have to have a bit of grit and that little bit of hopefulness in spite of the
1: odds to persevere. Yes. I agree, and it, it, and you were so helpful in your attitude because you were very positive. You were very realistic but very positive every month. You kept looking at my chart and saying, "We're going to do this and do this." And when you said to me, "Let's do IVF," I just trusted you and I said, "I'm going to go for whatever you recommend because I I want this child." And I I'm so I'm so grateful that it worked out. <laughs> for you. I'm glad it worked out right
0: and and so you know you're right like every service provider is a little bit different and and you know at Inova and for me the whole reason I ended up in the place that I am now I always wanted to be a fertility specialist but in the place of advocating for others in the place of setting standards through our fertility centers it was really to break down barriers it was to remove all of the things that could act in a way to prevent any individual who should want to grow their family in any jurisdiction that I was a part of, that I would assist in, in trying to break down those barriers. So, so with that in mind, what were the barriers that you experienced as a single woman? And what do you think single individuals are facing as they are attempting to move forward in their journeys to grow their family?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of them. Um, I'll have to say what I faced. Um, the one thing, the reason that I that I waited so long is because there was that barrier of, I, I didn't want to do it alone. That was not like, I don't think it's many people's first choice. It certainly wasn't mine. So I kept thinking, if I hang on, I will meet someone. I will have a partner. I will know the person. So that was a barrier for me is just pushing my age to the limit because I'd hoped to meet someone. And my age was the, you know, the impetus in me saying I can't wait any longer. So that's one barrier is kind of trying mm-hmm. to hold out, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And you've gotta you've got to deal with that. And the sooner the better because I I I waited quite late. I was
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that's a barrier. is trying to get by that, you know, the image of you know having the partner and doing it. Um there's the financial barrier. That's a huge one. And uh you know I didn't I wasn't like some women. I didn't prepare for it. I didn't save for it. I just you know, get to the point where I needed to do this because I was 43 years old. And so then there was the financial piece, which was, was difficult because it was on my own. It was paying for it all myself. So that's another one that women face and that I hear a lot and that I faced. Um, and the other was just um, not necessarily uh, having everyone in your life supporting that decision. Now, what hmm. I did was different, I didn't tell anyone. So I did this <clears throat> totally just by myself. Which, uh, oh wow! Yeah, I didn't tell anyone, and that's I unusual. Hadn't realized I yeah. hadn't realized that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I probably didn't even share that with you guys at the <laughs> club. <corner. laughs> I guess not. But that's a that's a
0: heavy burden. To yeah, lives,
1: but right? my decision, the reason to do it was to avoid people maybe telling me, you know, maybe you you know this is too late, or you know, do you sure you want to do this on your own? Because I just suspected that a lot of people would if I hadn't started yet or if I hadn't become pregnant yet, I get a lot of opinions about mm. what I should or shouldn't do. And I just knew that what I was doing was something that I wanted to do and needed to do. So it helped me to just avoid any naysayers, any people that might want to talk me out of it. Um, Fair. yeah. I Like I said, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone. I think a lot of people it's a, it's a journey that support is helpful, but yeah. um, that was, that was what I did. Um, so having the support, Um, in your life is a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't have it, that that can be a barrier. Um, Yeah. And just a a general fear of the unknown. I see it now as a fear of the unknown. I just didn't know. I knew more than anything I wanted to have a child. My whole life, I wanted to be a mother. That was a a dream of mine. And I didn't ever want to give up on that. But it was really daunting to me to do it on my own. Because I just didn't know how that would go. Will I be able to cope as a a single mother? Will I have the money to support a child? Will I have, you know, how will my life be uh, once I become a single mother, right? With no Mm -hmm. support, no. So that was just like a fear I had. And so it was Mm -hmm. hard to get over that. And I meet a lot of women that feel that way. It's a a real hurdle to jump into the unknown and go, on the other side, if I do become a mother, how how am I going to be able to cope? Can I handle this on my own? So I, I felt like that.
0: And then what was it, how did that compare to reality, actually? Oh so gosh. I yes. know that's a big question, but at the yes. end, of now mm. when we're talking, you that's, know, it's a reasonable fear. Couples yeah. who go into think about it and individuals who are single individuals feel it to the nth degree. So, so just out of curiosity, and this mm-hmm. is anecdotal, but in mm-hmm. your experience, having lived it, mm-hmm. how did the fear then compare with the reality of well, doing it?
1: That's the amazing thing about it, as I had so much fear and so much worry and so much sort of, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. It was a huge thing for me. And, oh, my gosh, it was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> none of the fears that I had came true. Like, none of the things I worried about were an issue. Um, and, yeah, it was just the best. I, I thought to myself, why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I, you know, and how <laughs> great it was and, and none of the yeah. worries I had. You know, coping it with it on my own. He's just a joy. I mean, it's just a joy to be a mother. And so, all the things that I was worried about never came true, which doesn't take away from the fear. It's there because I, I, when I talk to women who are who are still thinking about it, those fears mm-hmm. are there. But I try to let them know that, on the other side, for my, everyone's different. Everyone's life's different. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. This experience is different, right? Doesn't mean that everyone's going to have that. But it was just the best thing that ever happened to my life. And all the things I was worried about, I was fine with. And raising a child on my own has been absolute joy. Absolutely. Wow,
0: fantastic. Joy.
1: That's yeah.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you're very blessed. I mean, and, and it, in fairness, not every child is the same, right? And oh, it's okay. that unknown. What I hear from my patients who are talking about the potentiality of a journey mm-hmm. to become a single parent by choice mm-hmm. is the... Uh, what uh, what ifs around health is is a big one, and and there are no guarantees in anything mm-hmm. that we do, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you think, what would you do as a single person? What would you do as a couple? Like, how mm-hmm. would you cope either way, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of bigger, more existential questions that I get that I actually, in fairness, can't answer because I that's not my genius. My genius is in the medicine and how to handle the situation mm-hmm. when patients present. Um, so, yeah. so what do you think if, so it was a great experience for you. It was. What was the, go ahead.
1: I was just saying, I, I went back to work, What I was lucky. And I, again, not a, a lot of women can do this. I, 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 I was able to take a year and a half off with my son, which was just mm-hmm. a joy. But then I went back to work and I was a full-time paramedic. I was working shift work nights, days mm-hmm. with a child on my own. Um, not easy, but I, I managed all that fine. I, man, I managed to do that and take care of him. And I had to have a, a live-in nanny, uh, mm-hmm. which is expensive, but I was able to, to manage that. We have a house. And so um, I was able to be a single mom, working shift work, and make it work. And, and I actually wanted to have another one. That's how much I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what the
0: chronology, right? It catches up eventually. Yes. Yes. It's So, if there was one thing, what was was there in in French? We say la goutte qui fait déborder le vase. What was the thing that nudged you over the edge that said, "Okay, I'm going"? Like, what was that?
1: It was me, my age, my age. I felt in my early 40s, I still had lots of time. I was I was probably not uh, being realistic, but I felt I was still had lots of time. And for some reason, when I turned 43, it was like a light bulb went off, and I said, "I have no time." And immediately I went to my doctor, I got a referral to uh, fertility treatment, and all of a sudden there was something, of a light bulb went off, and I realized I have to do this now. And that's what nudged me. Um, yeah. I would recommend people don't wait to 43, but- A hundred percent. And I know you know that because you're the doctor, do not wait yeah. that long, but that was what pushed me over the edge is to say, I don't have any more time here, I need to do this now. And if I'm ever Absolutely. going to another, it's now. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, just my public service announcement as a fertility specialist mm-hmm. is that I don't recommend. If if anyone is contemplating this in their early 30s, in their late 20s, it behooves them to find a physician who will do an ovarian reserve assessment or a sperm assessment to see what the condition of the gametes are. And then that individual can kind of make a strategic plan about how they want to do. this. So you might not need want to wait until 43 some people might decide to become a single parent by choice in the first half of their 30s out of a relationship or in the second half of their 30s the most important thing is to this to have an ovarian reserve assessment or a gamete assessment of the testicles the sperm sooner rather than later because then you can make the strategic plan you can say okay well this is what I look like I'm single right now if in two more years I'm still single I'm going to jump So you, you, we make plans for our life strategy when we're going to buy a house, when we're going to plan ourselves financially, we have to do a better job of making sure we get patients to contemplate these things sooner rather than later and bringing it into your consciousness about, about the fact that this is something that people do, that stigma that you said you, I mean, look, you, you didn't tell anybody about it, right? Yep. And, and, you know, for us at Innova, we do this every day. And so for us, this is just the mainstay. Of course, you want to have the child, we will help you. We're here for you to help you gain access.
1: But mm-hmm.
0: how do we help um, those individuals who are planning a family on their own to have less stigma? How do we help our community do better? Because it's not all about her. Like we've had this typical kind of heterosexist approach to this. Mm-hmm. We have our LGBTQ plus community, how do we advocate for our single folks to make sure that they feel seen and heard and included in what it is that we are providing for them?
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think that we have to talk about it more. That's why I'm so glad that you invited me on to talk about it because I think that the more we talk about this, the more that um, younger women will start thinking about it sooner. I, I really recommend that women think about it early and start making a plan. I mean, I I did not make a plan. I did not save for it. I did not. And I wouldn't recommend that. Um, It's quite a a journey to go through. There's a lot of things that are gonna go on. And the earlier you start thinking about it, the better prepared you are to make that decision if you decide now is the time. But definitely, Mm -hmm. I I agree with you to go and see um, fertility specialists early, not Mm -hmm. late. Not
0: late. And you are one of the exceptional great ladies who at age 43, Mm still had ovarian reserve where IVF was an option, right? There are some, yeah, you were, you were fortunate. There are a lot of women who come even earlier in the second half of their 30s. We're considered advanced maternal age at age 35.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. So,
0: right? And so, and that's a piece of information that is often missed for women. And then they show up and they're like, why am I at the mercy of my biology? Mm-hmm. And I say, time, we haven't changed the chronology. Mm-hmm the ovary so so whilst you were fortunate to be able to still have appropriate ovarian functioning to have a baby at age 43 it's so critical Mm -hmm. that share that message that you can plan to be a single parent by choice early you don't Mm -hmm. have to wait as well right like that it's also an option Yes. yes so if you now with your experience and your support groups and Um, And the time that you've spent kind of in this realm of being a single parent by choice, what would you say is the most important or the the most helpful hint or tip for someone who's considering doing this, going along this journey in our um, trying to conceive community?
1: Yeah, well, I would say uh, number one, plan ahead like we just talked about, think about it um, a lot earlier than I did. I was a thinker. I call myself a thinker. I was a thinker. uh, But I didn't take any steps to look into it until my 40s. So my first thing would be to to start thinking about it early. Don't wait until it's too late and have a plan. Uh, I'd also say, you know, to prepare financially for it. Um, And also, uh, I would say plan uh, for it to be a bit of a journey that it doesn't you know, happen quickly often mm-hmm. as you're lucky, <laughs> you know, that it's a journey that you're going to be taking for a while. You could be taking for a while. Right. And, and there's lots of ups and downs, but um, you know, be prepared to know that it's, I it may not happen overnight. Again, the other message to start early, right. Cause it may take, it took me seven tries. Um, mm-hmm. Some women, it takes a couple of years. So give yourself time.
0: Absolutely.
1: and, and,
0: and, you know, patients often talk with me about, you know, they feel the weight of the situation and and they want to be able to see the long haul mm-hmm. and see it ahead and eyes on the prize. And Dr. Dixon, do you believe this can still happen? And I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I aim to be one and done with an IVF cycle if that's where we get. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always happen that way, particularly mm-hmm. if women are over 35, let's say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so what would you say? Because it can be an arduous journey, right? That's part of the barriers to accessing care when patients are like, I don't know that I can keep going, right? Yes. What, what was it for you, because, you know, six IUS and then IVF, what gave you hope in, in your journey to keep, to keep moving and not to say, like, oh, gosh, like, I don't think I can handle this anymore. What was that thing that gave you light to mm-hmm. keep moving towards?
1: yeah that's a good question and it's hard uh, it's a hard thing to um to describe but I would say that when I went in, I had such a desire to be a mom my whole life, and I just felt that it, it was something that was gonna that that was gonna happen. so I believed in you know that it was gonna happen um and then I realized that there were certain things I could control and th- certain things I couldn't control, so I was getting great treatment by you and you know everyone that took care of me there I trusted in in you guys um that you were going to do everything you could to help me have a child I always stayed positive I always believed that um it was going to happen but I also I know this sounds a little bit airy fairy kind of but I really let the universe I sort of said you know what if this is meant to be I'm doing everything I can do to make this happen And the rest I'm going to have to leave to whatever forces are out there. And I'll go with that. And I'll just, but what I said to myself is I'm going to stick it out as long as I can, which is as long as I need to, or as long as I can afford to. I mean, I was in a position where I just, I had to take out loans and things to do it, but I was committed. I said, you know, um, this is my one chance and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop until, um, I guess, until, It either happened or, you know, there was something telling me to stop. Luckily, I didn't have to get to that point. I mean, when I Mm -hmm. came to get that one embryo put back in, I was already, my wheels were already turning. Okay, how am I going to get the next? (laughs) <laughs> isn't that crazy right Same no time. it's not
0: it's good to have a plan I always tell <laughs> you well you're you might be plan a but I'm b and c and I'm yeah. like a bad cold I don't go away like if you give me an opportunity we'll keep yeah. moving right I was
1: very persistent I really believed in you know this is what I wanted and that I wasn't going to quit so that was my thought and I the, the lovely nurse's when I went in said, you know, Roberta, you just need one, you know, you, and I said, okay. Right? And then, oh, yes. and I love that. I, I, I remember that too. Every day, you just need one, just one good egg. And I still call Jesse my one good egg. When I talk to people, <laughs> I just held out for that. That one good egg was still there and I just had to get <laughs> to it, you know? So I was always very optimistic and I believed that if I wanted it to happen and I kept going and I didn't quit that yeah. it could happen. And I'm just, like I said, it's like a miracle. I'm so grateful that it did work. And and you guys were so wonderful to get me through it all. Oh, it was such a pleasure. You're a great patient. And, and
0: you know, honestly, we have passion for what it is that we do, right? Like we yes. really do this because we want to be able to create families where otherwise they may never have been, right? Mm-hmm. And, and for anyone who should so desire. And so, like, I I hope that our patients get an opportunity to, to feel surrounded it's not just the medicine that we're providing but it's also no matter what happens at the outcome of the journey Mm -hmm. that patients feel supported and heard and validated throughout regardless of of where they come from to us for our assistance through their yes that's
1: so important that was so important and you were wonderful i i always remember you as a very positive (laughs) you know very like yeah i just was i was following you and you were like I'm trusting her and I'm following everything she tells me to do. I'm going to do. And I, and you were always so positive and you are always optimistic that we're going to keep doing this until we can,
0: you know, until keep- it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah yeah. Absolutely.
1: yeah. 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 And,
0: and you know, like I think what happens also with more experience, right? Mm-hmm. This is like 20 years out now. Mm-hmm. You come to recognize that even some of the most, dismal appearing circumstances Mm -hmm. have a little, I'm going to sound like the crazy doctor now, have a little bit of magic in them. Mm -hmm. And and so much as, you know, people talk about the science and the technology advancing Mm -hmm. and our ability to do things with more information, now we can do genetic testing, which wasn't afforded to us before. Now we can grow embryos for five days out of the body, five, six days to become blastocysts which before we weren't, they were blastomer stage embryos. Now we can freeze and thaw things. We can use frozen eggs. We have so much that we've advanced in over the past two decades in assisted reproductive technologies, but I will maintain that there's just this little bit of magical dust that goes in there. Um, We still don't understand. I mean, like likely there will be a reasonable explanation to an extent about genetics and genomics that's coming up, but you know, for our patients out there, the, the, The one that gets people across the finish line is grit. And you were lovely as a patient because you were part of your care. You didn't just relinquish it all to us. And you Mm -hmm. were informed about what we were doing, but you Mm -hmm. also had a degree of an understanding that we were there to provide you with the expertise to guide you in the right direction. And that's a bit of a trick when you have the, you know, clinical care team working with the patients mm-hmm. and wanting to meet people halfway but also understanding what people need to get to success so it's a bit of a a balance um, between the care providers the clinical care team and the patients but it's such a joy mm-hmm. to be able to collaborate with patients and then see what comes out of it big oh. people 13 years later it's magic it is magic yeah. you just can't never gets old you see the cells and then you see people oh. it just doesn't make sense but it's what we do every day <laughs>
1: oh, that's so, so nice. that's so nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting in the waiting room and looking at all the pictures that are up on the board of all the babies. And I remember thinking, I wonder if I'm going to be up there one day, you know, and I just kept the faith. I just kept hope. And, you know, yeah. here I am. You know, I, I was able to be, be a mom and it's, it's the best experience in the world.
0: And then now you're channeling it into something mm-hmm. to help others, right? Mm-hmm. Other people yeah. along the journey. So so that said, tell us some about your support group and what it is that you do
1: yeah so I started about four years ago i, I saw a need there are a lot of women talking to me asking me questions wanting to do what I was uh, had done be a single mom because they weren't in a, in a partnership and uh, I realized that there was a need for some support out there and so I started a support group and it was a small group that started meeting in my living room about four years ago of women who were either thinking of which I was a thinker for a long time before I got the nerve up to try it thinking mm-hmm. of, to have a you know be a single mom by choice. So I started mm-hmm. this group. It's called Journey to Become a Single Mother by Choice. And we meet monthly. We started off meeting in my living room, a small handful mm-hmm. of women. Pre-COVID. We were, <laughs> yes, exactly, because this is four it's years good. ago. So that was when we yeah. came together in living rooms. Yes, and yeah. uh, it's a handful of women who uh, wanted to meet. It was It was gonna be a one-time meeting and I saw so much need for these women to talk to each other. I've just sort of become this host for them. And mm-hmm. we meet monthly now that it's COVID, we meet online. Um, mm-hmm. and basically, we meet uh, to give them some community, some connection, some support, uh, and information sharing. They share a lot of information with each other about what they've done and where they've gone and, you know, what's mm-hmm. worked for them. And so I host it monthly and uh, I get, you know, we've got almost 200 women now in the group and we get about 15. 15- wow. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's great. It started with like 12 women, you know, and it's like they told two friends and they told two friends, you know, they'd meet people and And so on and so on. (laughs) Yeah. And they would join. And so now we have this large group. And now that we're online, people, even from, you don't even have to be in Canada, come on, which is great. It's nice, opened up to more people. And Wow. uh, wow, you know, it's really, it's filling a need for these women who are doing it on their own. They feel so great being able to talk to other women who are in the same situation going through the journey. Um, And so it's just a support group for women doing it on their own. And I just started it because I saw the need and it's a pleasure to, to support them and give them, and I try and give them hope, you know, I, I give them hope and I give them encouragement and they support each other. It's a great, it's a great group.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, I, when I think back when I first started, like, again, 20 years the now, which is so weird, but um, there was this little book that was, you know, single women thinking of having a baby. It was like, it, it, this is before the iPhone. It was this little flip pamphlet. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to support them. I'm going to advertise there and say that I'm willing to help you because there was stigma back then. Like, yeah. It was not commonplace at mm. all in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. And the segue to now, even though it's more commonplace, there needs to be safe spaces for people to go mm-hmm. and discuss and, and feel kinship with others and and feel the ability to find hope and not mm-hmm. like they're a unicorn in their own selves Holy as God. they wished right like so you're, yes, you're not alone sense.
1: oh absolutely that's one of the one of the most common comments is when they meet each other, and they see each other now, like I said, on the screen, and they say, oh, it feels so good to talk to other people. You know, I, all the thoughts you're having, I'm having them too. They're all either going through the same thing, and it helps them so much to meet other women and realizing how many women are doing this. And then the amazing thing about my group is that because I've been doing it for four years, the original women, a lot of them have babies now. Pretty well Oh, home. nice. It's so nice. <laughs> Moms, and then they can give hope to the other women. So I have divided into two groups. I have a group for Inkers and Triers, women on the journey. And then I have another group for the women that I say you've graduated into the mom group. And then, you know, they continue to need support and the connection in the community. So they meet and they meet, you know, uh, online and and share what it's like to be a single mom with young children. So there's Mm -hmm. that support as well along the journey of of raising a child by yourself.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for doing what you do. There was clearly a need. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's always... I think it's so special when people come to their own form of advocacy through having had experience and wanting to be able to extend help to others in a time where maybe they might not have had it, right? So thank you for what you do for all of those patients out there, the moms who want to be single parents by choice. And uh, it's been so fantastic to speak with you and see you again and to think of the little baby that's now 13 years old or I can't even believe it time has flown by yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, so I think that you know we talk about this is called fertile thoughts right so mm-hmm. this is my moment where I put you on the spot mm-hmm. and I ask you after all that to give us your fertile thought for the day
1: yeah well my fertile thought uh, has a lot of hope and it just says that if you are on your own and you've always dreamed of having a baby don't let being single stop you you can do it on your own i did it and there is support out there for you to help you on your journey and so i say to women you can do this
0: you can do this
1: that's great
0: that's great thank you for that fertile thought and then i will also share my fertile thought and it's by bear grills it says being brave isn't the absence of fear being brave is having that fear, but finding a way through it. Right. I like that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Okay. So, well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you. So good to see you, but thank you for joining us. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who is listening. And if you have a story to share with our community, please reach out to us through our social media platforms. We'd love to have you on our next episode. And remember, one positive thought at the beginning of your day can change the entire course of your day. So make sure it's a fertile one. Till our next episode, stay healthy and bye for now.